Welcome to season three of the Iceman Kicking Podcast. My name is Brett Arkellian. Kick your feet up, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Iceman Kicking Podcast. They go meet up. With the guy's paid over $25 million in his career and has one reception in the NFL as a wide receiver. You hear it all, all the time, but you know, be where your feet are and good things are going to happen. Welcome to the Iceman Kicking Podcast. It's the show with cool questions and even cooler guests. And I am joined today by some phenomenal guests. My name, as always, is Brett Arkellian. Uh, and I'm joined by a co-host for the first time, a man that needs no introduction, but I will dive in, uh, named to the first team, all Big East Conference uh, in all four seasons during his time at Virginia Tech, the Big East Special Teams Player of the Year of 1999, uh, the all-time scoring leader in Virginia Tech and Big East history, Virginia Tech Sports Hall of Fame athlete, 15-year NFL pro. Uh, 2005 Pro Bowler, first team All-Pro, and a man who has coached at the highest of levels in college football at Central Michigan, Michigan State, and Florida. Please put your hands together for Shane Graham. Shane, how are we doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for being on. And as far as our guest, uh, very excited. The pride of Milledgeville, Georgia. Um, he has spent time at Missouri Southern State. Uh, helped Georgia Southern to an 8-0 record in 2013 and 14. Helped take Point University to their first ever playoffs. Uh, and during 2016 to 2020, uh, helped Tulane and the Green Wave into the top of the American Athletic Conference in special teams. Uh, he spent a year at Louisiana last year, helping the Raging Cajuns to become number 15th in punting average and fourth in the Sun Belt and kick return yardage. Everyone say hello to Coach Couch. Coach, how you doing today? Doing good, man. You know, it's hard to follow up that intro with Coach Graham over there. Golly, I can't <laughs> water. <What a> <laughs> no, believe me, you got some impressive, impressive resume. And obviously, uh, you know, where, you, where you're at now and, and what you've done uh, speaks volumes. So, you know what? Something real quick before we get into it. Uh, I, I saw a video about crawfish, all right? And it, to you, what is the most important? You did a little hosting on how to make the best crawfish out there, okay? What is the secret, Coach? You spent a lot of time in the boot. Uh, what's the secret there to making the best crawfish? You know, first thing I think the secret is to have a nice cold beer next to you, you know, and have somebody else uh, cook them. I'm pretty good at eating them, but, uh, you know, I think it's a, it's a good mix of spice. And I think you got to get them early in the season because those shells get hard later on, you know. But, uh, shoot, I'm good at eating them. I don't know if I could cook them anymore, but uh, I love a good crawfish. That's a heck of a video. That's uh, that's from the past right there. You had to go through the history of the world. Coach, that is that is classic. I'm, I might say you're looking good, man. You're looking ready to eat that crawfish and made me hungry watching it. Oh, man, I forgot about that. Love my time in New Orleans. Met my wife there, you know, and uh, golly. But uh, now on the bigger and better things, I should say. <laughs> Quite a few uh, crawfish boils, and those are uh, those are the those are the cat's walk when you're down there. Absolutely, absolutely. Shane, you've spent a lot of time bouncing around the country. Where's where's the best crawfish you've ever uh, eaten at? Where's? I mean, you're 
from Houston all the way, you know, down through the uh, the, the whole estuary area of uh, Louisiana, like that. That's just where you're going to get the best mud bugs. You know, you you know, everyone has their their techniques. You know, with how you brine the water and and, and all that. You know, you got people talking about well, you got to purge them and put them in you know salt water for and and I don't think that's a myth. I've heard from some people it was a myth to do that, but then I've heard from some people that say keep them in fresh water and just you know don't let them have anything to eat so that that will clean out their intestines and all that kind of stuff. So. Who knows, but uh, I never cook them myself. Like uh, Coach Couch said, it's more fun to just uh, crack a beer and, and, and let somebody else make it and you just enjoy it. And no coach, question. Down there in southwest Louisiana, sure know how to do them. Our uh, wide receivers coach, Tim Leger, is from uh, right there in Lafayette when I was over in, in Louisiana. And uh, tell you what, we had some one day he made, bar none, I should say, you know. So, shoot. Show me where they are, and I'll eat them. Promise you that. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, Coach, so to get into it, um, you know, I want to hear a little bit. We briefly went over your coaching history. Um, really want to hear a story. Tell me about the struggle. Tell me about the coaching grind. Tell me about how you got uh, to where you're at now. You know, I feel like a lot of it has to do with uh, a lot of luck, and I was around a lot of good people that helped me do a lot of coaching early on in my life. You know, in my career, I've only been – I've been doing special teams. This is probably my seventh year, I think, doing just special teams. But uh, I've been able to coach on both sides of the ball. You know, like if I, when I was at D2, I coached uh, slot, slot backs in the triple option. You know, I coached uh, D-line linebackers. I kind of fancied myself a D-line or a uh, defensive coach for a good part of my career. And I think the big thing is, is I just kind of – I probably took some jobs that I didn't need to take. But I thought it was good to get out there and, you know, do it on your own and kind of develop your own coaching style as you go. You know, it's, it's definitely a grind. But I think, you know, being in the bus leagues, being, you know, NAI, you know, I, I actually started coaching 2007 in junior college, GMC junior college. So uh, I've been in, you know, 15, 16 hour bus rides, Milledgeville, Georgia to Buffalo, New York. You know, I coached NAI, D2, FCS, FBS, and now I'm blessed to be where I'm at now, but uh, man, it was definitely a grind, but I think uh, the big thing was is just understand what you don't want to accomplish and don't be scared to take that first job and just realize like you hear it all, all the time, but you know, be where your feet are and good things are going to happen. You know, a part of my career, I definitely was looking for the next thing. Like, you know, I'm, you know, in, in everybody's head, you got that confidence. Like I'm better than this. You know, I can do something more. But when I just finally just settled down and said, you know what, here I am, let's just keep working here. And then uh, can all kind of fell into place for a little while. So uh, I'm blessed to be around a lot of good coaches, let me do a lot of coaching and uh, had some confidence in my abilities and it all kind of took off from there. So uh, just be where your feet are, man. Love that. I love that advice. And, you know, you kind of hit on it a little bit earlier. You wore different hats, right? Or you work different position groups. Um, you know, talk to me a little bit. I know recently, 16 through 20 at Tulane, you were the special teams analyst and did a lot of the recruiting or the recruiting coordinator. Uh, what did that entail? How was that tough, uh, you know, and, and how was it fun? What was the, you know, how did it help you? Yeah, you know, uh, 
Coach Willie Fritz was our head coach, and he was the special teams coordinator, um, you know, of kind of the, you know, of sorts. Like, he was the kind of the guy who kind of okayed everything we're doing. And he, you know, he has a mind to special teams. He's always been a special teams guy. And the thing about working with a head coach that does special teams is a lot of times with other things they have to do, um, you get to put your own little stamp on what y'all are doing just because their time commitments aren't always lining up with, uh, you know, developing a, a game plan all the time and they really rely on you. So that's what kind of, you know, when I started coaching special teams there, I thought I knew something. And then it's like, okay, you got to learn some more, you know, because he just didn't have time to sit there and he kind of just threw me in the fire a little bit and I had to work through it. And I think that's when you kind of learn what you want to do, what your personality is when it comes to the kicking game. And the recruiting side of it, you know, we had a great recruiting office. And with mine, it was just trying to kind of be the boots on the ground in the office and making sure that we got everything lined up, you know, recruiting coordinator. I think it just kind of came with the, the title. Maybe it had something to do with pay scale. I don't know. But we had a lot of other guys that did a lot more recruiting than I did. But I tell you what, when, when all those guys were on campus and stuff, uh, just being there and making sure everything was organized, I guess, to be the most part of it. But it's, uh, you know, it's, it's tough, you know, trying to be able to be there. And, uh, you know, you, you always want, you know, you're looking for that break to get you the job that you want, you know. And I think early on there, I was like, okay, you know, I need to do something more than this. And then kind of like, you know, okay, well, I, I, I'm blessed that I, Coach Fritz has trust in me to develop all these game plans and do this stuff and get it communicated. And then, it, you know, I think it's just a big deal of there's there's blessing there. There's things that you get to do wherever you're at that you, that, you know, there's always pros and cons of every job you have, you know, so just trying to figure out, okay, you know, luckily I, I lived a mile from campus, you know, like, I mean, I live right in the heart of Uptown, you know, we had, you know, we went to three bowl games, which had never back to back to back, which had never happened in Tulane history. We had some success in the kicking game, which they, had been kind of down on before we got there, you know? So like, and kind of long story short, it's just uh, just whatever role you got, man. Like I just tried to embrace as much as I could. Not saying I was always great at it because you always feel like you can, you know, you can do something else. But like once you kind of embrace what you're doing and just it all kind of works out, you know, kind of be where your feet are again. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you kind of hit also too, and, I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts and Shane too. you know, what makes, you know, when you get into recruiting, there's so many factors that are important. Uh, you know, what makes a great recruiter as a coach and how do you establish that bond with the guys you're recruiting? Kind of from my standpoint, I think it's also kind of coaching philosophy a little bit is just being authentic. You know, um, I can go out there and I could go out there and try to do, I'm not going to say gimmick stuff, but some people have different personalities, you know, like recruiting um, and their coaching styles are different than mine. But like, as soon as you try to be somebody else, you know, those kids, they're just like adults, you know, they know exactly who you are, whether you, whether you're, you know, as soon as you try to act like somebody you're not, they see right through it. So the big thing is, is I try to try to be authentic. You know, I try to be myself and, uh, you know, just kind of go from there. I think the big thing is, you know, especially with Coach Napier and what we do at Florida, we're big about relationships. 
you know, I think developing the relationship and like, you know, every time I, I talk to you, I don't want to talk to you about, you know, okay, what's your top five right now? You know, what are you looking for in school? You know, big thing is me is like, you know, what you doing today? You playing hoops, you playing Call of Duty, you know, you're getting on Fortnite, you know, I'm a big, you know, Red Dead Revolver guy for a little while, you know, I play some video games, just whatever you can do to develop that relationship. And just, you know, as soon as I know you're being you, not saying you're always going to get the guy, but you're going to get an authentic answer when you ask the tough questions. So if you're authentic with them, they're going to be authentic with you. And then you know kind of where you stand and you can move on from there or, or push or pull, whatever you got to do. Right. That authenticity starts going both ways when you show that side of you, correct? Shane, what do you think? Is there anything that stands out to you? I mean, you've spent some time, uh, you know, in the college football game and beat out the Hokies when I was at Virginia Tech there for recruit. What, you know, what helped you or what, uh, you know, helped you excel in the recruiting game? Um, well, you, you know, obviously, I think having uh, the background at my position from my playing days helps a, a good bit. And, uh, you know, I would be lying if I said that it didn't. But I, I think building relationships and, and, and like what Coach Cowles talk, talked about was authenticity. You know, when, when you truly take an interest and you don't come across as a used car salesman, you know, you you're interested in what they have going on, their personal life, their family life. And you're able to have conversations on the phone where they don't dread talking to you. And, you know, I, I remember when I was being recruited in high school, having, I think I learned lessons from that because there were coaches that was just like, you know, my mom would be in the room or, you know, and I'd, I'd walk out there and I'd be like, You know, and, and you kind of put yourself in the position of, you know, you want that person to want to call you and want to talk to you. And you want their parents to be able to talk to you and ask questions. And you, you know, you have to learn about the university that you're at so that you can answer questions without saying, well, well let me get you in touch with so-and-so because they can answer that question better. Now, I always found that I had to honest if there were things I didn't know because I didn't want to BS my way through it but uh, you know I feel like being yourself being interested and then actually having like an emotional connection with players you know with, which it takes time that that doesn't happen you know easily because it takes time to actually build that type of relationship even with the players that you have on your team but you know, when, when I would be involved in recruiting of other positions that maybe I wasn't familiar with, I made it more about just their relationship. And, you know, I never really played video games, but, you know, if someone like outdoor stuff, you know, we talk about outdoor stuff or hunting or, or fishing or, or, you know, NASCAR or music or whatever. And, you know, I, I felt that the relationships that I made, and, and even to this day, because there are guys that either I didn't get, or maybe it never got to the point where I, you know, fully offered them a scholarship or anything. Um, these 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 people still have contact with me, and you know, I have a, a five year relationship with Jake Moody, who's at Michigan right now. Uh, I'm recruiting him when I was at Michigan uh, Central Michigan. Uh, there's guys that I recruited when I was at Michigan State that 
I still have contact with and still, you know, we text each other back and forth and, and, you know, comment on each other's social medias and things like that. And, and then you talk about the world of social media and how that plays into recruiting. Um, it's, you know, this, this world that I didn't know about until late in my playing career. And I really didn't have a big interest in social media, but once I got into coaching, I had to kind of, you know, restart social media, get, like learn what it was all about, learn how to use it. And then it was like, what type of content can I put out? That's not just, you know, you know, fluffing the, the, the image of the school that you're at, but, you know, how, how do you make the players that you're recruiting see your content and appreciate your content if it involves a retweet with them or whatever, but put something that you feel like that they would be interested in onto your content. And then when you message with them, you know, it, it's, you don't have to be the, you know, the used car salesman. You can, you can just be interactive. You can be present and, and just know that like you're someone that they can feel like you're going to, you're going to get an honest answer from. And, and honesty is probably one of the bigger things. Like I was never a fan of, you know, some of these schools that, that do these uncommittable offers. Uh, I feel like, you know, because most of the, the position that I recruited were specialists, there's no such thing as an uncommittable offer with a specialist. You, you either get one or you don't. It's, you know, it's all the other positions that you hear about schools that have literally 400 offers on the table when they can only take 20 or 25 or whatever their, their numbers are that year. And I'm just not a fan of that. So been fortunate that because specialist has been kind of my niche, it's been like, well, I'm working on getting you one. I'm working on getting you one. I'm working on the head coach or whatever. And, and it's a process. So you don't have to worry about offering a kid and then all of a sudden saying, hey, by the way, we don't have it. We can't take your commitment. You know, it's, it's never really been an issue. So, you know, having that has been good. But, you know, I, I guess just, you know, overall, it, it's really just a matter of does that person feel like you could either be a friend or a father or a, or a family member to them? And, and that's the way I've looked at it. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's worked for me. I feel like I've I've typically done well in recruiting with the targets that I've had and even ones that never fully got to that point. I've helped them get connected with other schools if, if they needed to have that connection, if it wasn't going to work out with my school. Absolutely. You sure beat us out, but that's, yeah, having that, that connection, it's huge. Um, talk to me real quick, coach couch, uh, you know, I see this this game changer coordinator, and I, I love the title, man. You guys come out of nowhere. It reminds me of Game Breaker. I don't know if you guys ever played back in the day when I was a kid. NCA Game Breaker '98 on PlayStation One. What is this all about, man? This is different. Yeah, so that's uh, kind of Coach Napier's uh, baby. Uh, when I got to to Louisiana, you know, Game Changers is what we call special teams, and the big thing is, is like you know. Each game, we want to have one game-changing play in the kicking game. You know, whether it be, you know, winning field goal, big-time kickoff return, punt return, you know, block punt, block field goal, what have you. Some kind of game change, flip the field on punt, tackle inside the 20, 
So our big deal is, you know, making a, a game-changing play. So, you know, since we call special teams game changers, you can't have a special teams coordinator. You got to have a game changers coordinator. And I'm not a big uh, flashy kind of guy, but uh, you know, the head coach, you know, it's 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 his philosophy. So I'm I'm all in, man. You know, because that's the that's the mentality that he brings to our kicking game. So that's what we're gonna do. You know, we're gonna work our tails off to make sure we make a game changing play, and we kind of go from there. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. And you know that, as you guys know, that buy-in from a head coach is so big. How do you guys make it special to the players? I know uh, at other schools, you know, they might not even have really uh, a special teams coordinator and it shows on the field, but how do you guys make it special to your players? So they know like, Hey, this is how we're going to gain advantage, uh, get an upper hand. You know, I'm uh, one thing I think I try to do is I try to, show situations that changes games, you know, game-changing plays, honestly, I guess you'd say good and bad and how that affects the game, you know. Um, we try to do that. You know, we, uh, you know, you obviously have, you know, different things. You know, you have your your players of the week. You have, you know, your, your you know, awards and all that kind of stuff. But I think the big thing with us is just, you know, this is the way you're going to get on the bus, you know, you know, and, and trying to also show like your older players, okay, you're on a, you know, Shane knows this, you know, more than anybody, you got a 53 man roster, right? You got a long snapper, a punter, a quarterback, a uh, long snapper, punter, kicker. You got, you know, two quarterbacks, that's five. So that's 48 people. I mean, you take away your offense alignment, you take away some of your defense alignment, you know, unless you're a, top tier X receiver or something, you're going to be playing the kicking game at the next level. So what we try to do is look, we're preparing you to be at the next level. And I try, you know, when we're doing our installs and we're doing teach tapes and stuff, I show how our, our special teams philosophy, our schemes, our techniques, how it relates to the NFL. You know, everything that we do is tied in that way some way. And we make sure that we show a lot of it because, you know, in my, in my opinion, my, my, you know, in, in my, you know, all the years that I've been doing this, guys like to see themselves doing things and they like to see the best of the best doing things. So we try to show them doing it. We try to show the NFL players doing it, you know, and, and also like your NFL players, you know, that, that their whole world is in the NFL is playing kicking game. And there's a lot of people that made a lot of money and been playing for a lot of years just because they're good at kicking game. So if you're a, a you know, a mid-tier player that's right on the edge of maybe I'm going to make this team or maybe I'm not, if you've got that good, good background in kicking game, you're going to be able to show that team you got something extra. You know, so that's kind of where we come from it. And, and, you know, motivation, I think you're either motivated or you're not. And we're going to play the plays the, – uh, play the players that are going to be motivated to play for us and they'll be on the bus. So I kind of get the last say when we're making that travel roster. So, you know, that's kind of the way we look at it. Yeah. Shane also, you know, <clears throat> just to reiterate what coach couch is saying, we had a Cowboys analyst, you might know him. Uh, that was a Virginia tech alum come and he said something like in the NFL, if you're the third running back or the, 
you know, fourth receiver. He went by every position. And if you were not one of the top two guys, you had to play on special teams. Uh, you know that firsthand. Is that kind of how teams are structured when you played too? Yeah, you know, and, and anytime, especially on game day, because you have 45 guys who dress out who are active for a game, um, you know, I'm, I'm actually going to pull up some slides I have here. Um, so I'm sure, Coach Couch, if you go back and look through some of the old files that I had there, there's a thing called NFL Thursdays. And on those clips, so like, you have him and you have to explain like he started out as a sixth round draft pick. Okay. He was uh, probably RB six and then he became RB one by game one. And then I had video of him running down on kickoff and like smashing somebody. And then I had his teammates and coaches from that time <laughs> explaining how, because he was willing to go on special teams and that ended up with him becoming a Hall of Fame player and being able to, you know, have all these accolades that he has. Um, and then I go through and I, and I make examples of guys, you know, like Nate Ebner and, and you see all the things that people have been able to do um, because of, and then I, I talk about performance-based pay, which is kind of like a, um, an inverted pyramid type way of paying players based on the lower your salary, but the more your playing time, the more money you get on top of your salary. So it's just like finding little things to like make sure guys know that, hey, this guy was not a superstar in college, didn't really, you know, and, and the little bit of position play that they did excel at, they really didn't get a chance to do it when they were actually in the NFL. And, you, you know, give kind of like the percentage of their plays on offense versus defense versus special teams and then be able, and then, you know, so Matt Slater is like the poster child for special teams. The guy literally had 25 special teams tackles as a senior in college and maybe one reception in college. You know, he had some kickoff returns for touchdowns and stuff, but the guy's made over $25 million in his career and has one reception in the NFL as a wide receiver. And, you know, being able to show just different examples of guys uh, that are able to do things just kind of makes it a little uh, incentive for the guys that all think they're going to make it in the NFL. Because I promise you, if you go into a meeting and say, who here wants to play in the NFL? Almost everybody in the room and probably everybody in the room should probably raise their hand because let's just be honest, everybody wants to play in the NFL when you're a college football player. Um, and then you go through, like, this is how you make the team. And then you show guys like Tariq Cleveland and, and other players from the school that you're at. And you show how they were superstars at that school, but then they were a bubble receiver who was six on the depth chart, but they're willing to run down on special teams and, and be on, you know, block on, on return teams and all these things. And you show film of them excelling and you even maybe get a clip of them explaining why they had to be on special teams and the guys start to buy into it a little more. And, and you're always going to get pushback because you're always going to get those guys that think they're too good for it, think that they're going to, you know, be the next, you know, superstar in the NFL. But it's very rare that somebody ends up being a Kyle Pitts or someone ends up being um, – you know, and Emmett Smith. I mean, you've got to sometimes work your way into that spot. 
And, you know, special teams is the way to get on the bus. And you just have to make sure the guys understand that and are constantly reminded of it because, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times you, know, you have to explain to someone that, hey, this player actually was redshirting or was not playing this year. They were on scout team. But because they gave so much effort during scout periods, they actually earned a spot on special teams, got on the field, and then because they were on the field, somebody got hurt, they go in and play safety or defensive back or linebacker or whatever. Then all of a sudden they're starting on that, and then their special teams role maybe in college becomes a little limited because you could probably try to save some of your better players. But um, you know, it, it, you show how it works out for guys, and then you have to go through and show how teams like Alabama, teams that put their superstars on special teams, and how the teams with the most starters on special teams are actually the most successful teams. And, and when you're able to show them concrete proof of that, you know, it, it's a slow process, but slowly but surely, you get the guys you want and the guys that want to be on there on the field and, and that's the challenge is, is really being able to keep those guys going and wanting to be on special teams so that they're not just going through the motion they're actually wanting to learn and wanting to be uh, a contributor i think that 25 million that stands out to a lot of kids too that's freaking unbelievable coach cash we're kind of wound, winding down here but i want to get that you know organization is so important in special teams uh do you have a a uh team focus or a uh, unit focus when you go into camp what have you used in the past and then what's something that stands out to you that not a lot of people do organizationally uh, that you think should be focused on more or done more as far as special teams go um you know our kind of our mantra you know is a uh, tedious repetition of the basics so the big thing is, you know, we have, you know, if you watch us play, you know, it might look like we're doing a bunch of stuff. But at the end of the day, we, we teach all of our stuff in concepts. And when we get our concepts down, it's just the tedious repeti repetitions of those basics, those concepts. And as it looks, at, you know, as we, as we go down it, the way that we practice and everything is all going to be the tedious repetition of those basic fundamentals we put in early. You know, I'm a, you know, I'm a big proponent of teaching you how to do it before we, add the scheme into it, you know, so like, you know, if you don't know how to take proper footwork or you don't know what we're trying to accomplish here, you know, I don't think it's ideal if we just go right into scheme. So we're kind of a, you know, our, our whole philosophy is kind of a part, part whole, you know, crawl, walk, run. Um, that's how we look at everything. So we're going to, you know, walk it. We're going to talk it. We're going to, you know, everything is from an individual standpoint. And then we go to group, you know, and then we go to full team reps. It's all based on, on that, you know, and as you work onto it, you know, I think our big deal is adding external stimuli for every level you go up, you know, so, I mean, that's what kicking game is, right? You're running down, a, you're, you're running kickoff and I can teach you how to, you know, enter combat. I can teach you how to attack the edges, attack the axis, all the terms that we use for kickoff or return or what have you, but okay, you look phenomenal in the drill. When we start adding external stimuli to you, how are you going to be able to handle that? So that's kind of how we, you know, we're always going to crawl, walk, run. We don't want to run until we can walk properly, and we don't want to walk until we can crawl properly. we got to make sure we build on everything. So as we're going, it's kind of a, you know, we're going to build to a crescendo, 
they were going to go back and, and hit the hit the basics again to make sure, you know, that we're going to be ready to go. Um, that's kind of our philosophy there. Um, when it comes to organization, you know, the one thing that that you know, when I was at Tulane, I was kind of a one man show. You know, I didn't I didn't have a kind of any help when it came to the organization or the you know I didn't have a QC, I didn't have a GA. It was kind of myself and the head coach kind of sitting down and getting it done. And I think the big thing that got me uh, through that was being organized and keeping it concise, but with an extreme attention to detail. So, you know, you get like, for instance, you know, like scouting reports and stuff, you know, early on, I was trying to make these big booklets that look good and I could, you know, say, oh my gosh, this is awesome. But then like when it came to a, a time crunch, like, okay, am I going to worry about what I'm putting on paper or am I going to put what I need on paper or in the system, what have you, and then spend that extra time with individual meetings with the players or, or, you know, watching more tape, what have you, you know, just big thing is, is I think, you know, you spend more time on that fluff or that extra stuff. You know, if you can't, you know, I'm a, I know I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but I'm a big history guy. And I read this book called The Bomber Mafia. Um, it's talking about kind of in, before World War I, you had the people who were theorizing how to use uh, bombers in World War II. There's a guy named uh, Hansel who was like a, a theorist. And you had this guy, Curtis LeMay, who was a, a practical application guy. So anytime we're getting ready to install a scheme or we're looking at game plans or anything like that, you know, we always go back and look theory versus practice. Okay, on this board right here, it looks awesome. But are we going to be able to install it, teach it, execute it at a high level? In theory, it looks good, but it can. do we have a practical application for it? So we got to make sure, even though it looks great on paper, it, you know, you see this drill at the Glazier Clinic or on, you know, social media, what have you, it looks awesome, but does it apply to what you do? And I think that really the last thing from kind of organization is, uh, you know, I, when I was learning uh, coaching D-line play, I, I uh, learned from this guy named Kevin Peoples, who's kind of a, 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 a Pete Jenkins disciple. And he taught me what he calls the, the Pell method. You know, it's drills, the skills, the time allotted. Okay, are your drills helping you execute the skills that you're going to use on game day? And when you're using those drills, am I going to spend time? What, what am I spending time on? You got to make sure you spend time on the drills that are going to be utilized to help you learn the skills and the time allotted that you have. So the big thing is, I think, you know, you got to make sure whatever drills you have, they're directly applicable to playing that game on Saturday. And, you know, there's a lot of them that, you know, that I've done in the past that like, oh yeah, that's a cool looking drill. Well, does that stuff show up on, on Saturday? If it does, absolutely, we'll keep doing it. But if it doesn't, man, we only get 16 minutes of practice. You know, I'm going to throw that one out and make sure I got something in, in the practice plan that's going to help us get better. To, you know, because at the end of the day, drills are cool, but we want dubs on Saturday. You know, so we got to make sure that we, we make sure our, our time is organized. And, you know, when it comes to all of your help, like your, your equipment people, your assistant coaches, like making sure you got great diagrams, you know, it's, it's sometimes it can be tedious, but the, the more tedious and attention to detail spent on that diagram, 
that equipment manager is going to be more prepared to set your drill up faster. So then you can get five more reps. You know, we're a rep-based organization. So the more reps we can get, you know, the better we're going to be, you know, so that's kind of, you know, how we kind of attack it all, just making sure that that, that theory is, is practical and we use all the time we can to, to get the right reps for the right reasons. Do you still use any of my stencils? You know, I haven't, uh, this is, this is going to sound pretentious of me because I do have help now. So I have not drawn a practice diagram at Florida, but uh, they are still well-made. I'm sure they found them on the system somewhere. But uh, <laughs> I'm lucky to where uh, I'm not draw drawing the practice diagrams anymore. I do but, have uh, to, I do have to say, Shane, those are some of the best diagrams I've ever seen. I mean, Coach Couch, if you ever get a chance to look at them, you shared a few with me. They're freaking 3D. These guys got muscles on them, the, the opponents. I mean, it's freaking detailed. Okay. And it's, it looks really good. So I was like, Shane showed me, and I was like, man, I got to step my game up. I'm slacking here. Yeah, the, the equipment managers, even, even video, like when those guys, you can hand them a piece of paper if, if not, if they're not on the computer themselves. But, uh, you know, the TV's in the locker room, the players know where they're supposed to be so they can go right to that spot and they know exactly what group they're in or whatever. The equipment managers, if they can have everything set up before the period of practice, uh, seeing exactly what they need to see and the video guys knowing okay, what camera's filming, what angle from what drill, whatever, uh, that part of the organization, um, you know, taking the time to put that together saves a lot of time on the field because everything can run a lot quicker. Absolutely. You know, and, and one other thing when it comes from, come from that standpoint, like when you're looking at your drill stuff, the spacing of them, you got to, you know, like, especially if they're competitive drills, making sure like your spacing, so you're like doing a one-on-one -on -one kickoff first return drill, making sure that spacing is enough where that guy's trying to avoid a block, you know, and, and like we, we did a study, you know, the, the good distance between a kickoff guy avoiding a block and a return guy blocking him to make sure that they're going to both be able to chance to win is like five yards. You know, we felt like if it was too far away, you know, that, that uh, the return guy is going to be able to, block him easier if he's too close the cover guy's going to win you know so just making sure that your the the uh your drills are set up to where they're going to be able to replicate the the game you know and just always trying to sit there and make sure that you're always constantly evaluating what you're doing and making sure you're trying to figure out ways to do it better that's all the time we have thank you chris couch for coming on and shane graham for being today's co-host I'm Brett Erkelian. Thanks for watching the Iceman Kicking Podcast. A word from our sponsors. This show is brought to you by The Kicker's Bible. The Kicker's Bible. Ever wondered about how many kicks you should do during practice after pulling your quad multiple times? Repeatedly snapping the ball over your punter's head? Keep getting dumped by all your girlfriends for missing kicks? Well, we can't help with all those things. But for some of those, there's The Kicker's Bible. Proven training methods and secrets used by NFL specialists, written by yours truly, Brett Arkellian, with over 20 NFL specialist accounts, including personal excerpts from record-setting and Hall of Fame specialists, David Akers and Shane Graham. If you are interested in any of these fantastic tips and excerpts discussed in this episode, visit IcemanKicking.com or go to my Twitter bio, Iceman underscore kicking.